quitethethingmedia.com. The network, oh, without constraints. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Wrong Term Memory. My name is Jack, as always. And my name, as always, is Colin. So, Jack, how are you? Yeah, man, I am. I'm super. Thanks for asking yourself. <laughs> I'm super. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Not bad at all. You're recording this on a Friday afternoon. Uh, I've literally just turned my work laptop off me and I'm so happy to be talking to you and starting the weekend. Uh, all is right in the world. That is a, a blink of an eye, but it'll be Monday again, as always. That's life. That is life. Um, yes. What else can happen in a blink of an eye is that you could go into iTunes, listeners, and leave a review for the podcast. A five-star review, please. Uh, don't go on and leave a four-star review or a three-star review. It's just a waste of your time and hours. Go and leave a five-star review. Leave us some lovely comments, and it'll help more people discover the pod. And if you're really feeling lovely, you've got the Buy Me A Coffee link at buymeacoffee.com forward slash wrong-term memory, where you can reward us for being such lovely people. Yeah. We got... A one-star review, and, and that's cool, people. If they don't like the content, that's cool. But the accusations that the reviews were bought was one that really annoyed me because we literally, like, can go, I know him, we've met him, we've, like, we know the people that are leaving reviews, and it does make a difference. And um, that guy, or person, obviously, obviously thought we were at it, but we're not. Uh, all reviews are real. Yeah, so we need some more five-star reviews to basically dilute and counteract and get that one-star review to fuck. So please go and do it and say that Colin and Jack are lovely people. That is it. 1997, mate. First thing that comes to mind for yourself when you think back to then, you've just turned into a teenager you have. I'm still a year behind you, remember. So you're 13, you're a teenager, one of your big birthdays, one of your big landmark ages what were you doing at 13 i went to i don't know if it's, this wasn't for my birthday i don't think but 1997 i went to the muir end cinema um uh at muir end in the south of glasgow and i saw titanic and it's one of my favorite ever films uh, i love it to this day i can quote it pretty much word for word and that film is pretty much 1997 to me it won all the oscars it was like the biggest story People just went Titanic daft, went Mirada DiCaprio daft, they went Celine Dion daft, they went Big Mad fucking Boat daft. It was just wonderful stuff. So, 1997, mate, is all about Titanic. Oh, I just had to mute my mic there, man. I nearly choked to death, sorry. Dearie me. Oh, the dangers of taking a sip of a drink when you're recording. I was obsessed with the Spice Girls, so the thing that sort of sticks out in my mind from then was them and... They launched a Channel 5, because remember, there was only four channels up until then. So, Channel 5 launched where Channel 5 stands nowadays with its programming. It's sort of debatable whether anybody with sort of half a brain cell would ever tune into Channel 5 or 5 Select or whatever the shit is called. But back then it was pretty exciting, you know. You remember the stripes on the telly, but Channel 5 was sort of live, but it, there was nothing on it, and you're sort of buzzing, and because the Spice Girls were... Well, the biggest band in the world at the time, it was all all very exciting. Um, got off to a sort of auspicious start, if I remember right. Like, there wasn't anything particularly good on it. I think they tried to launch maybe their own soap opera type of thing. It never really took off. It was called, it was, yeah, their, their soap opera was called Family Affairs. Um, it ran for a number of years, actually, but then it got cancelled. Um, I, I remember that, 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 that network starting, Channel 5, and... I think that was my first real indicator of how my future life with most of my family and mom and dad's neighbours and people like that was going to be. I was that was where I became Colin the IT guy, or Colin the the technical or the digital expert, because I went round fucking television after television, tuning Channel Five in for a bunch of folk that had no idea how to do it themselves. Um, some of these TVs were the old-fashioned TVs with the knobs that you actually had to spin with your fingers to get it find the right bit in the tracking to, to hit the the network signal. Other ones were ones you just had to actually use the remote and like kind of rescan sort of thing for for channels. But it was beyond the adults of the time and they had to do it. And you know the mad thing is, Jack, see when I think back about it, my mum and dad at the time, hopeless at technology, couldn't tune in that channel. Back in nineteen ninety seven they weren't that much older than I am now. Really? They're in a ballpark within 10 years or so. 
and it just amazes me that 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 big gap in generations when it came to just natural ability to do something simple at tuning on a TV. So that's my memory of nineteen ninety seven the Spice Girls and Channel Five. It was me getting the fucking job of tuning it in for everybody. Yeah. Like if I had a techie ish problem, I would probably ask you first ish. Like I'm I'm generally I'm generally decent enough with technology. I'm not a fucking simpleton or anything when it comes to it. But yeah, if there's a bit of an issue, I'm sure I've seen a few messages saying what's this or how to do this. <laughs> Like, like to be honest, like you know, we were we were for heart and hand, um, and when they first launched the Patreon thing, you know, you get your special paid for link that you then add to your app player of choice, basically. So you get the RSS delivered directly. That was a bit of an issue for lots and lots of people. Like even I struggled a little bit with that. Like, where the fuck did I put that? Because it's something that you don't particularly do. So it was a little bit jarring trying to figure that out. And that was only about four or five years ago. Five years ago now, basically. Yeah, it, it, did, it still confuses people to this day, even though it's all telegraphed through the sign-up process, what you need to do, etc. People just don't know stuff. It's frustrating. Right, so what was happening in 1997, Colin? I'll go to miss out January. Not a lot happened in January, really, that I could see. But February, this has been briefly mentioned. Uh, a Scottish invention uh, by scientists and it's basically the, the sheep dolly successfully cloned uh, and um, although no the way sorry I've got this totally mixed up the sheep died in 1997 because it was born in 1996 we already covered this actually yeah she didn't die in 1997 yeah she didn't die in 1997 she lived I think she lived about six years oh sheep. did she right yeah. okay so um, why is this well why like I've Fucked us up then because <laughs> scientists announced that the adult sheep named Dolly being so, successfully cloned uh, and was I'll, I'll, born in July 1997 the kind of the, the type of sheep that she was, a natural one, usually lives about 12, 13 years. Dolly lived six and a half years and died of cancer, um, which sounds worrying, but it's not really because apparently those those sheep get cancer quite a lot. So she had cancer and she had arthritis and couldn't walk properly and she was put to sleep. Um, but aye, that's the reason why it's 1997, mate. That was when we, the, as common people, found out about her. I would, as a scientist, have been poking about with her for the previous 12 months. Right, okay. I thought it only lived a year then, um, but on a little bit. It lived a decent enough life for a wee sheep, yeah. While Scotland are at the forefront of scientific cloning and shit like that, Ireland was still a little bit in the fucking dark ages because it was only a week after this announcement about Dolly the Sheep that divorce became legal in the Republic of Ireland, 1997, before you could get legally divorced over there, man. <laughs> Fucking mental, but that's the Republic of Ireland for you. A lot of their decisions, a lot of their laws, a lot of their way of life is dictated by the Bible rather than what's right. And um, that would be why that would be the case, um, because you're not supposed to get divorced in the eyes of your God and all that guff. But yeah, that does seem mad that... Us, us Brits are uh, cloning animals and making technological forwards and doing all sorts of cool shit and they're just deciding that it's okay that if you grow to hate somebody you could leave them. Yeah, that is it. It was the March that Channel 5 launched but we already sort of covered that. So, exciting times in inverted commas politically as well because, again, this has been briefly mentioned but the Labour Party eventually came into power for the first time in nearly 20 years, 18 years, Tony Blair becoming Prime Minister, an absolute landslide, and even as a 12-year-old, I've said this, kind of looked at Tony Blair on the telly and thought, he's kind of cool, and that was the wave that they read, basically, what so it was, because John Major was like, just so stuffy and old, a very generic politician type guy, and Tony Blair was much younger, and seemed cool at the time, there was a cool tune, Things are only gonna get better, and like sort of. Who was in that band? 
Brian Cox is out of the guy. Oh, you're a dick. How do you know that? <sighs> it's quite well known, mate. Like it's not like a fucking secret. I don't think. <laughs> I must have told you it before. Yeah, that's what I get all my knowledge from you. Know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like Tony Blair was did appear really cool, Jack. Mate, it's because I think because he was such a the, the difference between him and Major and him and Thatcher before him, where anybody, anybody would have looked cool as a comparison to that, wouldn't they? Um, but he, he did. He got all the young people on board. That he did all the he embraced the whole rule Britannia, the cool Britannia thing, didn't he? He got Noel Gallagher and people like that round his house for parties. He got all the pictures taken with them. And I, I think there was quite an uptake in young people voting in 1987 as well, um, which helped with that landslide victory. I think he was able to win without it. But I think the tapping into the youth vote and getting them to be interested and think that there was actually something different after 18 years of Tory rule massively, massively helped him in that regard. And he became Prime Minister and he was all right for a while, and then it all went a bit sour. Um, have you seen pictures of him recently? I have not. No. He said that he's had some lockdown. He has got like long white hair down to his neck, down like past his shoulders. Um, like yeah, well, he, he actually looks like he looks more to me like one of the teachers in Harry Potter, like because it's that kind of white straggly hair. Right? It's down the back, but no beard or anything. Still clean shaven. But he just looks, he just looks weird. It looks kind of cool in a way, but weird. It just doesn't look like Tony Blair. Like Tony Blair was always quite immaculately put together, and he was never clean. He was always clean shaven, normal haircut, and all that sort of stuff. And now he does look like fucking Keith Richards. That is it. Yes, a lot of people might have argued that this dawn of new Labour was a bad thing for Labour in general, like the old Labour, were very much a, a part of the people, you know, very much had sort of socialist values and we would stick up for the wee guy in inverted commas, but they had to change to get into power. They had to move a little bit right, more towards the centre, I suppose, Labour, and that's sort of what got them in power. But a lot of old Labour voters, my father, people, a lot, <clears throat> nearly everybody that stayed in Glasgow, basically, would have been a Labour voter for many, many years and they would have seen this as like a massive change. And I don't know if that's a psyche thing as well, like being the wee guy, the oppressed, like, oh, oh we're the wee guy. We get stamped down upon all the time. And then when Labour actually came back into power, it was kind of like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> you know? So There's definitely a, an element of people probably in the west of Scotland prevalently as well, that, that do like being in that position, Jack. They do like being seen to be in a bad place and seen to be disadvantaged, and they kind of thrive on that, and they almost wear it as a badge of honour. Um, I think the other criticism that Labour Party gets from 1997 was that they became massively popular um, because they moved away a little bit from kind of Labour's roots sort of thing. They kind of moved a little bit closer to... The Conservatives, in terms of, right, they moved right a bit. Yeah, there used to be there used to be a massive difference between the two. Now they're then they they became a hell of a lot closer, which a lot of old Labour fans didn't like. But all the new ones that kind of started voting helped them win landslide election victories, so it kind of worked for them, didn't it? But it has kind of led to this place now where the UK in general just has a big bunch of nothing politically, where they're all the same, really. Apart from in Scotland, where we've got like the worst people in the world running the place. Well, the thing is, right? I'm not like I don't. We don't speak about politics an awful lot because I don't have a massive interest in it. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, and the fact that there's very little room for grey area thinking. You know, it's very black and white. It's like, oh, you, 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 you don't vote SNP. You're a mad fucking Tory then, or whatever. It's like that's not the case, man. Peace, fucking peace. Like, I think in theory, the Liberal Democrats are kind of where politics kind of should kick about a little bit to the left or some right, not right wing because that's got connotations to it, but there's some right leaning views that are good there's some left leaning views that are good Liberal Democrats, but because they're in that grey area, like 1% of people in the whole of Britain vote for them or whatever, like they're yeah. fucking, because they're in that grey area, which I kind of think is in the area of politics which should sort of be the panacea, in my opinion. 
kind of always thought that if you look at the Green Party, the Green Party, and look at their policies and what they want to do, it's hard to argue with absolutely any of them. Their policies are the best on paper. But the reason for that, man, is because they can write any policy. They can write any policy they want because they know they're never going to be in a position where they need to actually do it. Free Mars bars for every kind. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get that in Scotland. I'm still waiting for free iPads and free laptops and free bikes and all that. So it's, they're not alone in those fucking mad claims. Yeah, do you know the, the what's in Norway? Right, uh, there was a a guy who ran for mayor of Reykjavik, I think. Um, that so that might be Iceland, even somewhere like that. And he basically. It was a comedian to start with, but he won, and his policies were um, a bit wacky, you know, like three Mars bars, blah, blah, blah. But his very last policy was to break all of his policy promises. <laughs> right, okay. And he got in, he got, he got voted in as the mayor of Reykjavik, and he still is, I think, as far as I know, still floating about politically, being at the forefront of Icelandic politics on a joke, basically. It's amazing, isn't it? It's <laughs> pretty good, pretty good form, man. Yeah. We don't, we, we don't often get a chance to talk about politics, right? I don't want to talk too much about it, but I do have one thing I want to ask you because I say this every time there's an election, every time we need to go vote, right? Why, Jack, in twenty twenty one, do I need to leave the house, find a wee bit of cardboard, take it with me, queue up outside and fucking nursery usually, go in, find a wee box, find a bit of paper, find a pen, mark it in, put it in a box and then wait two days for people to count them. Why can I not just send a text message? Why can I not just log on to a website and click a box on there and do it? Why is it so old-fashioned and stupid? There's probably a massive fear from whoever runs it that it is more open to fraud that way, I'd imagine. I don't know how it can can be more fraudulent, though, to hack a computer system that would be so locked down compared to some dodgy person not counting fucking votes. Like, we're, we're actually trusting people that volunteer to count votes. Um, I'm not saying they don't, they don't do it properly, but it just seems like, with all the technology available to us now, it's mental to me that I don't know who's won until people have actually physically counted. I think we should be voting. And you turn the TV on, if you turn the Sky News on that day, you basically, it's almost like a moving league table. <laughs> telling you, like, honestly, like, the Conservative are four, they're a nose ahead, they're four ahead, and, all that sort of, and it, it would be so exciting, but it's bullshit, and, and it made the most annoyance, because the last time I voted, which was I think last year, or whenever it was, it was raining, and I had to stand in the rain outside this bloody place, and that annoyed me even more, so yeah, can somebody just invent a voting system that you do with your phone, please? This is good, this, people will have a strong opinion about what I'm going to say now, I've not voted in years. Um, I made a conscious Your opinion's decision. not valid. You can talk about it. <laughs> nah, you can do whatever you like. Man. I decided not to, like, basically ever vote again about eight or nine years ago. Basically, just like, ah, fuck it, man. I'm I'm done with it, and that's my choice. So, if you don't like it, leave a comment. Uh, hello at Wrong Term Memory. If you want to send me abuse, that's cool. But I don't vote. Can't be asked for it. Yeah, leave my leave my five star review. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. But that's just that's me, and I can. Do what I fucking want. Um, the United Kingdom in July of that year, uh, we decided to basically give Hong Kong back to China, which was awfully kind of us. So it was. <laughs> it's, it's lovely that we just give things back that we took with force. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we are such lovely people. Uh, although I'm not going to get that upset about doing stuff to that part of the world because they're just as bad. Like we used to do history and stuff like that, we'd always come across Independence Days. It's always something that's on Wikipedia pages for dates and years. And it was always the UK or France or Portugal countries had got independence from there. This one's just jarred a little with me because it was like, we didn't give them independence. Uh, we gave them to another country. Like, here, <laughs> you, you take them. <laughs> like, which I think is a bit weird, man. It's uh, fucking bad, bad bastards. Uh, it really is. Yeah, the biggest news of the year, but was to happen in August, so it was. Hello friends, Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Drunk Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier, where you get absolutely hee-haw, other than the 
sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. I've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them, just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. Really, this is the big story, man. Yeah, this is huge. Um, the death of Diana, Princess of Wales. Um, she was taken to hospital after a car accident shortly after midnight in the Pont de Alma Road tunnel in Paris, and she's pronounced dead at 4 a.m. Um, she's one of these news stories, Jack, where everybody knows where they were uh, when Diana died. Everybody knows where they were when 9/11 happened and all that sort of stuff. Um, when Diana died, I was in Dundee. Um, I have a I have an uncle and an aunt in Dundee, and we were visiting them and staying over. And I used to take my mate, uh, you know him, Howard. Howard went with me, and we stayed the night there basically. And my cousin in Dundee had a pool table, a full size proper pool table, which, as you can imagine, we were right into at this point. And we actually stayed up all night playing pool. I made the radio on, so we heard this by basically happening live. Um, and we thought it was mental and like people woke up for breakfast we were still playing pool and we started telling them that Diana was dead and they were like shut up let's talk something stupid and all that because it wasn't like now where you wake up in the morning before you go to bed you look at your phone and you see the news and you find out what's happened and stuff like that people would get up get showered come down the stairs talk to people wouldn't know anything yet because they've not turned the TV on or anything and they literally thought we were at it they didn't believe us so we had to get them to turn TVs on and see it all um, but it was mad. Even at that young age, I realised what a big story it was, and the radio stopping and being quite like just stopped playing pool and started listening to the radio and taking it all in. It was a huge, huge, big, 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 big deal. Yeah, I used to play bowls. This has been mentioned before, like lawn bowls. And even at that age, when I was twelve or thirteen, I was playing bowls. But um, used to play for the, the county team, uh, the, the Glasgow County, basically, and their matches were on Sunday mornings. Right. So I remember leaving the house um, because you would go all over Scotland, so it was pretty early. We were up on a Sunday morning, say like half seven, eight o'clock, going out to the car and our neighbour coming out from across the road, basically opening the door to shout across and tell us. <laughs> That's your Diana, did. <laughs> uh, do you hear about that, Diana? Well, no, not a clue. Um, I got in to the car and went and played bowls. Don't remember anything else about that day. Don't remember where I went, like anything, but I remember walking out the front door and the guy shouting from across the road, that, that's, your, that's your Diana dead, basically. So, yeah, very much laser beamed into your head um, alongside 9-11. It's probably the two main events of our lifetime that will um, be sort of there forever, I basically. The, I saw the trailer this week for the new Diana movie that's coming out. Okay. So there's a movie coming out, Diana, Princess of Wales, I think it's called. And uh, Diana is played by... The girl from Twilight, Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Right, okay. She's playing Diana, um, which is a bit strange because she's like got black hair and stuff like that. I was going to say, with a little bit of makeup, but she's kind of got, I'm going to say, posh features. Posh features, yeah, I, I get what you Do mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I've seen pictures, I've obviously seen the trailer and she does look the part. I just I remember reading about this like a year ago and thinking that's, that's some odd casting. But yeah, who would have thought like, all this time ago when Twilight first came out, mate, that one of them would be playing Diana? And the other one would be Batman. That is it. That is it. This was kind of surprising as well um, to wrap up the year in October. The first colour color photograph appears on the front page of the New York Times. Back in my, I suppose, until then. Very much, I suppose, that was their part of their branding up until then. Was, yeah, we're not going colour. We will always be black and white. Or is it a cost thing, Colin? Why do you think that they stuck with it for so long? I did, I did some research this week. Right, okay, good. <laughs> Makes a fucking change. Because <laughs> I'm sick of just making mad assumptions on this show, even though they're usually correct. Um, so basically, one of the reasons why, there's a couple of reasons why they, they kind of didn't do colour until then. One was that colour was seen as a tabloid thing. They felt it like dramatised news stories and it gave too much attention to the picture rather than the words. And the New York Times sees itself as one of the most important newspapers in the world and they've got a very high opinion of themselves and they, they value the stories, the context, not just the pictures. Um, there was also some kind of technological issues as well. The printing press wasn't big enough to retrofit it to do colour. 
Um, so what they did was they had the, this wasn't the first ever colour item in the newspaper, it was the first ever colour front page. They started doing like book reviews in colour inside and food reviews in colour and gradually putting colour into the newspaper. But this was the first time and it was a picture of a baseball player and a picture of a, a senator, I think it was, that was on the front page. Um, no, the, the, the Attorney General. Uh, so it was an Indian, um, the guy that played for the Cleveland Indians and the Attorney General that were on the front page in colour. But even now, Jack, they don't automatically put coloured pictures in that newspaper or on the front page. They'll look and decide if they think the colour adds something to the story. And if it doesn't, they don't use it. They're still very, very particular about it. Right, OK, man, that's dead interesting. I kind of find it interesting as well that they think they are where they are and they're standing in world journalism. And the first colour picture is of a sports star, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know I, what the story was about, but it seems a little bit... <clears throat> there's a dichotomy there, basically. We are the winning world leading journalists. Here's David Beckham on the front page, basically. Or yeah. whatever. So it seems a little bit strange. I, I, I do get that. I wonder why they chose him. I get why you would have the Attorney General. Maybe they were trying to appeal to two different kind of to like, people sort of thing, or they just liked the picture. I don't know. Um they are quite. They are well respected. The New York Times, in terms of their their output and what they do and stuff like that, they they're not compared to most newspapers in America. You think of some of the shit you get over there and all the showbiz stuff and all that nonsense. They are decent. You'd maybe compare them to like the Guardian or the Times over here type thing, in terms of their stature. But yeah, they do. They do think a lot of themselves. They call themselves. They've got a funny nickname. They call themselves the Grey Lady. That's the, that's the newspaper's nickname. And, I, and that comes into some of their black and white stuff as well. We're the grey lady, we don't do colour. That was one of the things they used to say. I, I think the, the, the quote I read at the start was, um, we're the old we're the old grey lady, I can't see us putting on new clothes with colour. <laughs> that's quite good, actually. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're, they're like everybody else, they're dying because of the internet. Well, we'll just tell your mother that, uh, that uh, we ate it all. Wrong Term Emery has joined forces with Pie Sports at piesports.com. The pies are absolutely class. I love the Mr. Singh's chicken and bala. That is so tasty. That is a good one. I think my favourite would probably be the macaroni, though. I prefer meeting my pie. That's what she said. <laughs> Deary me, so if I was to pick a second favourite, it would be the steak haggis and peppercorn sauce. It's not a bad choice for any of these pies, truth be told, Jack, because you've got things like the Dirty Mac, the mac and cheese with black pudding traditional scotch pie you've got the mr sings chicken and bala like we spoke about and if you like a bit of beef you've got the beefy bake the choices are endless and even if you're trying to lose a couple of pounds like myself and colin probably could there is the skinny scotch which has got 40 percent reduced fat sounds good and one of the best things about this company is you don't have to go to the bakers and stand in a queue with people full of germs to get these you don't have to go to asda you don't have to go to morrison's you don't have to go to tesco nowhere like that you go to piesports.com, you select your pies, you put in your address and they deliver them to your house anywhere in central Scotland. It couldn't be easier than that. As a listener, you get special treatment though and you can win a box of pies delivered anywhere in the UK. All you've got to do is look out for the hashtag WTMPies on Twitter or use our website wrongtermemory.com and fill in the form there and you could win a box of pies each week on the show. May as well pass to a couple of other Scottish legends. That's magic. Well, what's that? 17 minutes ago, was it? Mm. We're in the house minding my own business, lining my ribs, then boof, we're here on the high street searching for the beefy bake. That is the power of advertising, Jack Boy. Mm. We are the mere puppets of your marketing bigwigs. As always, we are marketing bigwigs, Colin, and we'll announce... This week's winner. So who who's your winner this week? Who's getting a delivery of pies? Which if you've been on Twitter, you will have seen some of the pictures and stuff like that. They look they look lovely, but our winners have been receiving their pies in the post over the last couple of days. They have been, and thank you for retweeting them and letting us all see your prizes. This week's winner was chosen by Jack. It was Gavin Kelly, um, who chose his random word, which was wingnut. <laughs> it just made me laugh, man. <laughs> it did make you laugh. I'm going to be honest, I'm not quite on the wingnut train, but I'm quite happy to let you pick the prize this week and you pick the winner, so to speak. And if you like wingnut, that is fine by me. I just think it's fucking brilliant, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck, sh- fucking shut it, wingnut. Like, I think that, I, <laughs> like, I hadn't thought about the the phrase wingnut or the word wingnut in so many years because it's something you would have used as a teenager. 
basically. So Probably. a long, long time ago. Yeah, so well done, Gavin Kelly. Send us a DM and we will get those pies out to you soon. We asked for words and kind of sparked a little bit of a, a thing. I thought, let's use this for content because we are lazy bastards at times, although we do do a little bit of research. So a couple of people sent in words that I found reasonably interesting. Um, Pamela, um, at P4M-E-L-A-R, sent in this word now. Here goes. Um, Flocky Noki Netilification, right? So well done. 29, 29 words long. Um, it's the longest non-technical word in major English dictionaries. And it, basically, it's a bunch of Latin words sort of um, squeezed together, meaning nothing and defined as the act of estimating something as worthless. So that's what that means. And it's been used since all the way back in 1741. Now, <clears throat> we've got a little bit of an issue with, the, with this word and the next word, because although they do technically mean things and are in the dictionary, they are kind of only left in there because... Of the length of them. Because of the length of them, basically. Mate. That's the only reason they're in there. Because, like, for example, I don't know if they'll be in the concise English dictionary, you know, because that's the most popular words, and I don't think that word will be in there, or the next word, mate, which was sent in by Weirbear. So we'll let you take this one, because this was one that I think everybody kind of knows, and it's probably one of the first words that pops into your mind when you think big, long word. Yeah, anti-establishmentarianism. Um, so basically just being, being in, in opposition to the establishment of the Church of England, basically, um, anti-establishmentarianism. It's almost like a pure... If you asked a man in the street or a man in a white van, tell us a big word, they would say anti establishment wouldn't they? It's kinda it's it's a bit of a, a living meme at this point, isn't it? Um it's got twenty eight letters, but it is because there's a novelty word really. Um, alongside things like supercalifragilistic expedalidocious. Um it's just, Which was just part of a song, that was just like I I kinda get how that's what that's how words come about. And that's how they get in the dictionaries. Somebody says it and it becomes common parlance, but it's part of a song in Mary Poppins, was it not? It wasn't like it doesn't mean anything. Um I don't really see again it won't be in the concise in this dictionary, but um yeah, I enjoyed that. And by the way, I've got my eyes out for people that are sending stuff in to try and tickle your fancy, Colin. Yeah, um, because we got a couple of people um sending in words that were aimed at you, basically. They were, we, we got a Yeezy, um, mm-hmm. we, got a Morris, <laughs> we got a Morrissey, and we got a Funko, um, all my favourite things. Um, the, the, the only thing you could have maybe added to that to increase your chance of winning was Rangers, perhaps. Um, so yeah, uh, well done, but unfortunately, this is a, a, a joint show with two hosts, and it wasn't just down to me, so fucking Wingnut won this week. But, um, <laughs> we don't know what the question's going to be this week, but if you put Morrissey as your answer, there's a good chance you might win, okay? Going to the culture of 1997, mate. Top selling singles, obviously, um, because of Princess Diana's death. Elton John um, re-released "Candle in the Wind," and it was the biggest selling single of that year, followed closely by "Barbie Girl" <laughs> by Aqua. You know the sort of <laughs> the vast difference between those two songs is quite quite stark. And then another song about death. Um, comes in at uh, number three, basically a cover of a play song, but it was Puff Daddy at this time and Faith Evans, I'll Be Missing You because uh, of the death of the the big fat rapper guy. Notorious B.I.G. That's him. Yeah, I forgot his name for a minute. It's funny that that, so Candle in the Wind in the first instance was actually a song about Marilyn Monroe dying. Because I think... Actually, not Peggy Jean. Norma Jean. Norma Jean, yeah. Norma Jean, yeah, because um, he, he, that was the name at the start, and he, he obviously changes that to England's Rose um, for Candle in the Wind. Um, it's actually a nice little song. It's just a bit shit now because it's just associated with somebody dying that everybody pretty much liked. Um, Barbie Girl is a fucking horrible song. It's rubbish, it's awful, it's terrible. I could live my whole life so happily never hearing it again. However, Aqua... I know what I'm going to say here. All right, sorry. Aqua 
are fucking brilliant, <laughs> right? Um, they're Danish, and the album that that came off of had other songs on it that were actually really good pop songs, like My Oh My, uh, Dr. Jones was bloody brilliant, um, Roses Are Red, and Turn Back Time, that you'll probably know from that film with... Oh, the film with Gwyneth Paltrow and somebody Hannah in it. Uh, sliding, sliding doors, sliding doors. So yeah, I know Barbie Girl was fucking stupid. There were some lovely pop songs on that album. Um, so big shout to um, Aqua, and I like the Tori's B.I.G. song as well. It was lovely, but I was a Tupac fan, so fuck Biggie. That is it. Yeah, Aqua. I remember having quite the soft spot for the singer. Oh, she was lovely. She had that bright red hair. I thought she was really quite um, Scandinavian looking, pretty sexy. Yeah, a lot of time for, for her. I don't know her name or whatever. Yeah, but, she, was, she was great with the big baldy idiot in the song as well. There, That was her boyfriend. Oh, were they actually Yeah, they were, they were actually together for a while. I don't know if they are, they are now or not, but they were together for a while. I think her name was Len. I want to say her name was Len. I could be wrong. Right, okay. But yeah, I think her name was Len. Um, what, what about for albums? What sort of albums were doing big things in 1987? Obviously, it was Oasis and the Verve, you know, very much of their time um, at the the pinnacle of the old, the old Britpop stuff. Although I'm pretty sure there's people that are right into Britpop that would tell me to fucking shut up by saying that. But let's be honest, Oasis and Blur are the two that you think about. But the Verve sneaked in with Urban Hymns. They were number two, and Be Here Now was number one. And Spice uh, was only in at number three, which was a bit disappointing for me, Jack, who was kidding on in school that I was right into Oasis and going home and listening to the Spice Girls. Uh, <laughs> uh, enough, I mentioned I mentioned Howard earlier on, uh, the story about going to Dundee. I also um, spent some time with Howard when Be Here Now came out. We dogged school that Friday morning. To, uh, we got the train in his town and went to HMV and got it the morning it came out. And I still love that album. A lot of people hated that Oasis album, but I really, really liked it. There's some great songs on it. Um, I never pure loved the verb. Never really get into them. They had some good singles, but never liked the albums. And the Space Girls were good, but you were a bit obsessed with them. Yeah, that is it. Uh, the 1997 Mercury's Wanker Prize was awarded to Ronnie Size, uh, represent with this album, New Forms. Shite. Utter shite. Any memory of them? No, the Wankers Wankers Prize. Just being famous for winning that, that award thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure some people will think we're being blasphemous and that Ronnie Size and Represent were great, but it's just a noise. Exactly. The movies make you mention one of them right at the beginning, but what else was sort of kicking about in 1997 behind Titanic? So yes, yeah, so Titanic's the biggest one by far. It took $1.8 billion at the box office, which that's just mental. But following up behind it was The Lost World, uh, Jurassic Park sequel, took $618 million. And Men in Black, the original one with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, is just behind it there with just under $600 million taken. Um Oh, three films I'd quite happily watched, Jack. Like, obviously, Titanic's fucking brilliant. Uh, the Lost World's a good sequel, and The First Men in Black's pretty cool. I'd love one of those devices where you could just wipe people's memory. That would, that would be sweet. Talking about films, actually, what does SMH mean? A movie podcast came out today as well. And if you like what we do, it's kind of like that, but we do movies, and Stephen Purden from BBC's River City is with us doing that. We did have some issues with recording sound, I will be honest, but that won't happen again. So... What Does SMH Mean? A movie podcast is available in all apps as well, just to stick that in there. Uh, ben and Jerry introduced Fish Food, a new flavour of ice cream in the February of that year, named after the rock group Fish with a PH. Um, ice cream, marshmallows, caramel and fish-shaped fudge. It is pretty tasty, man. I've had it once or twice before. I don't tend to buy a lot of Ben and Jerry's. Like, I'm not tight, but it's just too expensive, man. Like, you can get, like, the some of the sort of, you know, lesser-known brands or even some of the sort of supermarket brands for, like, half the price. And it is kind of still pretty tasty, man. They know what amount of sugar and shit to put in stuff, <laughs> you know. It's, like, it, it's yeah. not particularly different. Usually when you go to the supermarket, either Ben & Jerry's is on offer or haagen is on offer. So there's your luxury ice cream offers there for you. Um, you shouldn't buy Ben & Jerry's though because they're awful bastards. They really are. Are they horrible? Oh, they're horrible, mate. So Ben & Jerry were two nice guys, hippies. They set up a, a dairy company uh, selling ice cream and they were unique at the time because 
they were hippies, but they were in business. They were kind to people. They had some quite good morals and ethics in place, and they were very kind to their cows. Their cows were very, very, very looked after, and that was kind of the whole cornerstone of the business. Yeah, and it's still the vibe to this day. Unfortunately, Ben and Jerry cashed out quite some time ago to Unilever, and Unilever oh, and Unilever are horrible bastards. And they just kept it on, they kept the name, they kept all the practices, they carried on that they're still these two hippies and all that sort of stuff. They're not. Ben and Jerry have got nothing to do with it. It's Unilever. It's guys in a boardroom pretending to be lovely people. Buy some Agendas instead. Fuck Ben and Jerry. Yeah. Fuck Suge Knight as well, because a week after that, he was sentenced to nine years um, for violating probation, basically. Released again in August 2001. He's a dickhead. We don't want to speak about him. Too much he seems to pop up because he was very much of his time. Pablo Picasso's um, Tete de Femme, stolen from a London gallery in March 1997, found a week later. But because we spoke about this before, it's fucking dead difficult to sell a Picasso without people knowing. <laughs> people steal them to show they can steal them. They don't actually intend to keep them. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the song that was released, but it was March that Notorious B.I.G. was murdered in Los Angeles after attending the... Uh, Soul Titan Music Awards, which I have never heard of, uh, shot after leaving a party. Um, they've never solved that, I don't think, have they, Colin? If they haven't. They've came close a couple of times. It's obviously linked to they believe that he was involved in the Tupac murder, and this was the revenge from the whole West Side, East Side sort of beef that was going on in the gangster rap world of Compton at the time. Um, but nah, nobody really knows for sure. Puff Daddy knows. P. Diddy knows, I'm sure. He, he knows everything that went on then, but he ain't saying nothing. I'm sure they, I'm pretty sure they know. Like, I'm pretty sure the police probably know as well, but knowing and proving are two different things. Legally, <laughs> obviously. Billy Crystal was holding a, hosting the Academy Awards and the English Patient wins Best Picture, a film that I haven't seen, mate, yourself. Is that the one with the director's appeal? I, uh, <laughs> I want to say yes because I feel like a lot of fucking these, these guys maybe were back then. But who's, I don't know, who's, who's the director that's a pedo that people think it's alright because he's so talented? Um, Roman Polanski. Polanski. All oh, right. Okay. I think right. Okay. Nope. Apologies. The English patient is directed by <laughs> Anthony Minghella, who, as far as I'm aware, is not a pedophile. <laughs> you continue having consensual sex with adults, Anthony. Thank you. But yeah, I, I just assumed that was a Roman Polanski, but it's not. But yeah, that won the Oscar that year. I've never seen that either, mate. I would have told you Titanic won it, but Titanic didn't. Titanic won the Oscars the next year because it came out after the Oscars in March, if that makes sense. What what births were happening? I'm sure you found some Thai or Korean one with a stupid name at some point. Lisa. Lisa! That's a lovely name. It's like my favourite <laughs> name. Lovely name but she, yeah, she's born in March. Rapper, singer, dancer and model. And she's hot as fuck. <laughs> like, she really is gorgeous, man. Um, but again... Um, just googling Lisa um, isn't going to turn up, turn up her rappers. Um, not really my scene, not particularly your scene as well, especially the new breed of them, mate. We've got Blueface. <laughs> never heard of Blueface? No, I've never heard of Blueface. What about Cupcake? I've never heard of Cupcake, especially with two Ks. Nope. Uh, okay. Again, Koreans. Um, I like over that side of the world. We've got Bang Chan. See, there's a stupid name. That's that's a stupid Korean name. Bang Chan. A rapper, singer and producer. Bang Chan. Wow. That's it, mate. That's it. Yeah, we've, we've covered lots of death um, in this episode, so I kind of stopped reading the Wikipedia page, man, because I was like, oh, Diana, Biggie, blah, blah, blah. So we will move on. Email your memories to hello at wrongtermmemory.com. Yes, so visit to the forums, mate. This isn't the listener mail section because I sort of already uh, used that earlier on for content, but I found a, a forum post called Accidental Eating of a Small Piece of Dog Poo. Okay. <laughs> so, like. These are the highlights, basically, because this was about 12 pages long on the forum, and a lot of it was, oh, this is so funny, so I'll kind of cut and paste the best bits here, mate, but this is the original poster. This is a serious problem that's causing me considerable worry. At the weekend, 
I accidentally ate a small piece of dog feces poo shit, which was splashed onto an ice cream I was eating. Uh, there was a pooper scooper on the Bournemouth beach. It was barely noticeable and it didn't taste. It was really stupid to carry on eating. After this had happened, I was slightly drunk uh, and despite noticing, <laughs> he noticed a little bit of shit on the ice cream, I, for some reason, thought it's only a tiny bit and just kept eating it. I have not yet experienced <laughs> any problems. Should I go to my doctor? Do I need injections? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like, how drunk do you need to be to think, I know I like ice cream, but a wee bit of shit sprinkles is okay. I'm just going to keep eating it. Wow. Yeah, some of the replies are short and sweet, mate, so we'll take a couple each, maybe. So let's see what the first few people are saying to this fucking guy that's willingly ate a bit of dog shit. <laughs> um, so the first couple of replies, I'd definitely go and see the doctor, mate, just to get checked out. How the hell did you manage to get dog shit on your 99 flake? Um, you must have been pissed to have kept eating it. Drink less next time would be my advice. Yeah, I would seek advice from a doctor. Uh, you'll probably be okay, but dogs have worms, which can make children go blind if they're ingested. <laughs> this is why it is important, this guy's been pretty serious, that dog owners, uh, dog owners uh, clean up after their pets. Again, just I just want to know how it got in the ice cream. Uh, I think the guy does explain this later on, how it got there. But um, this, this guy's quite concise with his reply to them. Your first mistake was eating it. There's no such <laughs> thing as it's only a tiny bit when it comes to dog poo on food. If it's there, you shouldn't be eating it, regardless of the quantity. Your second mistake, never get drunk if ice cream or dogs are in the vicinity. Otherwise, your first mistake might be your third. You don't, you won't need injections, but please steer, stay clear of women that are into S&M for a while. If you see the dog leading collar, you might be tempted to try wagging your tail and barking at her feet. This would totally give the game away, and no one, including the other half, is likely to believe it only happened because I ate a tiny bit of dog poo on my ice cream. <laughs> when my youngest son deliberately ate a piece of freshly laid doggy shit, uh, I was straight onto NHS Direct. This was back when it wasn't a complete and utter waste of time calling him. This person seems to be making some sort of political comment here. Within half an hour, they phoned back and said, as long as the poo was fresh, uh, no problems or worms would arise. Mm. Mm. Um, next reply, really? I know when my cats were babies and they were worm infested, I could actually see squirming tapeworm segments coming out when they used the litter tray. It still makes me shudder thinking about it. <laughs> exactly. It's vile, isn't it? Um, I'd have thought fresh poo was more wormy than old poo. <laughs> Again, I love that how like somebody's went onto a forum to firstly ask for serious medical advice, but also let people know that he's at jobbies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a couple of just funny, funny, quick replies here. Was it chocolate ice cream? Um, <laughs> easy, easy. So many people talk so much shit. And <laughs> first port of call is get some mint mouthwash. <laughs> oh, this guy's taking the piss a bit. It's really serious if you don't get treated within the first six hours. You enter a first latent stage where you have no symptoms. Then that can last for about six months, and then it's a lifetime of walking into lampposts. <laughs> On the upside, your taste buds go, so if you do decide to eat any more dog shit, you won't taste it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'd only go to the doctors if you start eating out of a dog bowl and run up to your wife for leading your mouth, although who knows, she might find that a turn-on. Oh, can you remember what it tastes like? And the next reply is, <laughs> probably chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh. this next person is just a bit disgusted by the whole thing baffling I would just have bought another cone it would have saved you all this hassle for a start yeah seriously don't worry about it you'll be fine I was once changing a colostomy bag on a patient I was up quite close inspecting the stoma site uh, where she let out a little fart uh, by accident and a tiny tiny bit of poo ended up on the inside of her lips uh, I got called shit breath for a while but that was the worst that <laughs> Um, oh dear man um, if you haven't experienced any problems by now the chances are you won't at all but I have to ask why did you carry on eating it it seems a bit odd to me frankly yeah I'll let you take this is the original poster again explaining how, he, how it got there yes this is the, the original poster it did not taste of anything really I was trying to put some rubbish in a bin but I did not realise it was a dog pooper scooper bin I was drunk. Then I let the lid slam down. It was metal. And a small bit of what I think in hindsight was dog poo flew off of that onto my ice cream. And for some unknown reason, I then <laughs> ate it. 
Oh, better get to the doctor's quick, mate, just in case you start him pointing strangers' legs in the street. Um, this is a little bit of revenge, which is something that I think we need to cover in more detail at points, mate. But um, I'll let you take this one. This is quite good. Yeah, this is over the top, but I read in either Take a Break or Chat magazine a few years back that a woman discovered her husband was cheating on her. So to get revenge, she went into her garden and scooped all of the dog poo, cooked it in a frying pan with gravy, covered it with pastry, and passed it off as a steak and kidney pie. <laughs> oh, oh dearie me. Oh, this is just a wrap up. My daughter, when she was about 18 months old, just ate a massive chunk of dog shit. Um, I thought I'd cleared it all up, but left a small crusty one behind on the lawn, which went unnoticed. She was just sitting in the garden and started cheerfully stuffing the shit into her mouth and seemingly really enjoying it. So, <coughs> yeah, that's eating about a dog shit on ice cream, man. Not to be recommended. Um, even Frankie and Benny's is better than Frankie and Frankie and, Frankie and Jerry. <laughs> Frankie and Benny. Fucking hell, man. Even the fucking hippies are better than that. That's it, mate. That's it. My friend, um, little brother done that. He took a shit in the bath when he was a youngster and grabbed it and took, <laughs> took a massive bite of a log, man. But it was about two or three oh, or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that I think I'll do today, mate, you know. Um, yeah, this, this good seems a nice place thing, as yeah. any to wrap it up. So, like we said earlier on, little reviews if you want. The buymeacoffee.com forward slash long term memory. And another podcast is out in all podcast players today as well. So, as always, call and cheers. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. Bye. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs>